How important is it for you to fit in? Does moving around have a specific effect on people? How do you actually find your people, your community, if you've recently arrived somewhere new? Well, today we're talking to Marsha Drucker, international traveler, businesswoman, and community expert. Hopefully, she'll be able to give us some insights on these questions. One, two, three. Hola, hello, everyone. It's your host, Sabrina, and welcome to the Pretty Sure Podcast, where we'll talk about everything from travel, dating, to expat life, and everything in between. With new guests and topics each week, we'll get advice, some insights, and talk about things I'm pretty sure you've all experienced at one point or another. Sometimes all we really want to know is why, what does it mean, and am I the only one? See, I felt alone many times in my life, but I've gotten through it all by having my friends at my side. So I want you to think of me as your new best friend. We'll laugh together and maybe even overthink a little, but we'll have a damn good time at it all. So get ready, guys, because here we go. Hi, guys. So as you all know, and I've mentioned many times before, I've moved around quite a lot, both as a child and now as an adult, and it hasn't always been easy. It has its pros and cons, obviously, like the fact I can now socialize and make friends relatively easily. I used to be a super shy kid, so it's quite an accomplishment for me. But also, all these new friends I've made along the way, they usually stay at the same place. So when I'm moving away, I'm left with friends all over the world. And sure, it's amazing for visiting because I have a couch to crash on wherever I'm traveling, but... You know, it's probably going to be hella complicated one day when I get married and actually have to round them all up in one place. I've been thinking about this quite a lot and I thought it would be a great topic to cover about community, how you find it, and why it matters to so many people. So I'm super excited to talk to our guest today, who is Marsha Drucker, because she's kind of a community expert. So she's lived in many different places and is actually the founder of Fuck Up Nights Toronto, but she'll tell us about that in a minute. So welcome, Marsha. I'm super excited to have you here, and please tell us your story. Hi, Sabrina. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to chat with you today about community, traveling, fuck ups, all kinds of things. I'm so curious to hear your story. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I'll I'll kick things off with um, that I never really set out to become a community builder. Never in a million years did I think that I'd be leading something called Fuck Up Nights. I think like a lot of other community builders, I just totally fell into it and then really fell in love with it and really just um, found this passion for building community and learning about community and uh, really like meeting other community builders. But my background is really, I would say like traditional. I went to business school. Um, I specialized in marketing and I kind of started my career in a very traditional sort of corporate way. I worked for a CPG company um, and then I worked for, for another company in corporate and I found myself developing this passion for tech over time. In that second corporate job, I was there for close to three years. I absolutely loved it. I got promoted. I had a great team. But I kind of had this itch, I guess, where I just felt like I could be doing something more. I could be learning more. I wanted to discover something new. I wanted to um, experience other things and potentially live somewhere else. So I think a really pivotal point in my life was, I I think I almost call this my quarter life crisis, but it was really (laughs) at the age of 25 where I was in this like awesome, safe corporate job. Everything on the surface looked great, but I was really miserable, I think. And I really felt like I could be doing something more, but I wasn't sure what it was. 
And this opportunity kind of came across my desk um, to be able to move to Tel Aviv and oh, wow. uh, to work for a startup there and to really have an opportunity to travel and and uh, and really immerse myself in that culture. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, but that was sort of a very pivotal point in my life when I abandoned everything in Toronto and took this crazy opportunity to go live in Tel Aviv and do something completely different. So that's a little bit of an overview. And then after that, I came back to Toronto. And that's sort of when I started Fuck Up Nights and kind of started on this new journey of being a community builder. That's amazing. Honestly, that's one of my dreams. Tel Aviv and Israel in general is like on my number one, like number one spot of my list of places to travel to. So did you have any expectations about moving to Tel Aviv? Did you know anything? Or was it just like, I want to leave this, I want to try something new wherever I land? That's amazing. It was, I, I had a little bit of knowledge going in. So I am Jewish. I grew up in Ukraine. So that's where I was born. And I lived in Ukraine until I was eight. There, I was not really close to my Jewish roots at all. I, I, I didn't really know anything about it because just the way that things were in Ukraine, there was still kind of that anti-Semitic sort of sentiment. And my parents grew up very much like not part of that culture. Um, but when we moved to Canada, of course, you know, we started getting a little bit more immersed in it. And I went on birthright when I was 20 years old. Oh, nice. um, and that for me, I mean, for anybody who doesn't know what birthright is, it's, it's a 10 day trip through Israel uh, for anybody who's Jewish to really kind of show you the country and introduce you to to what it's all about, what the culture, what the religion is all about. So I went on that trip and to me, it was it was really cool. It was an amazing 10 day trip. I saw the country. I loved it. I thought it was really beautiful. But that's pretty much all it was for me at that point. I didn't feel this like visceral connection to it that a lot of others feel. For me, yeah. it was just kind of a cool trip. But then over time, when this opportunity that I saw about Tel Aviv, I started really looking into it and learning more about the tech ecosystem and really realizing that Israel is called Startup Nation for a reason. It's like really up there in terms of number of startups per capita, the amazing companies that are coming out of there. So when I first went there, it was really... I, like I had an understanding of the types of opportunities that are there from a startup mm -hmm. perspective, from a tech perspective. And then I really fell in love with the culture and actually living there. Um, so I think I went into it with like a little bit of knowledge. And then I learned so much yeah. when I was actually there. Oh, that's amazing. So jealous. So what was the hardest part about not only leaving your home country or where you were living for the past multiple years, but actually moving to a different country that's totally the opposite of what you were used to? Like, what was the hardest part about the whole experience, if there was any? I think the hardest part, and it, I think it was just like explaining to people what I was doing. I think there was like so <laughs> much judgment and people being so like surprised by what I was doing because it was a huge risk. Like I, I was leaving a really safe, awesome job for, from yeah. what looked like the outside. I had all my family and friends here pretty much in Canada. And the opportunity that I took, it was really, it was almost like an internship. So I was kind of taking a step down as some people would see it from my marketing management role to go be sort of like an intern and to travel around and to really immerse myself in a totally different industry in a different country in a different language, all that stuff. So for me, it was the most exciting thing because I saw that as, as an opportunity to reinvent myself to really kind of treat it almost like an MBA, I guess, in a way, yeah. because I was working a really traditional marketing corporate job, but I wanted to get into more like digital marketing and to work for a startup. So for me, I was like, this is the perfect way to kind of learn on the go. And it's it felt more low risk because it was it was an internship. And, you know, I was part of a small yeah. team and I was able to wear a lot of hats. So I think this the hardest part was honestly just 
like kind of like justifying myself to people. But over time, I kind of realized that the people that really matter in my life, like my family, my friends, they were supportive. Like maybe they didn't fully agree with it. Maybe they wouldn't have done the same thing. But at the end of the day, they were really supportive of my decision. And then anybody else, like just random people who were critical of it, I kind of, I let their comments just kind of slide. And, you know, to me, it was like, you know, like it's it's maybe coming from a place of yeah. that they've never taken a risk or that they've never Definitely. kind of explored something that they really wanted to do. So it's almost, you know, that they're pushing those feelings onto me. Definitely. I agree. So it wasn't hard at all, like living there, experiencing a new language and everything. You saw it more of like a, yay, this is new, exciting. There were definitely some challenges. I mean, it's a very different culture. I went on a program, so it was called Career Israel. And I was there with uh, it was sort of like a group of people, but also had a lot of time on my own and lived on my own. But I did have that support system and that community of the people that were on that program. The other thing about Tel Aviv is that pretty much everybody speaks English. It's a very international city, very secular. So the language wasn't a huge barrier. Um, and I also speak Russian um, because I grew up in Ukraine. So Russian is another really common language there. So a lot of the time, if I was in a place where, you know, somebody didn't speak English, a lot of the time in like government offices, or if you had to go to like a medical appointment or something, a lot of the time, like the receptionist or, or just other people that work there, chances are somebody spoke Russian. So between oh, wow. the two languages that I knew, I was, <laughs> I was pretty set. And then I did yeah. take courses to kind of learn Hebrew. And over time, I did sort of pick it up to the point where I was able to kind of like pick up on some conversations to be able to order yeah. in a restaurant, like small things like that. But it, it definitely is a really tough language. And it's, you know, it's really wow. hard to learn it in a year. But I, I am proud of what I was able to pick up a little bit. That's honestly amazing. I wouldn't have imagined that in Israel, there would be a lot of Russian speaking people. That's so interesting to me. Yeah, there's a ton. There was a huge migration there from Russia and from Ukraine. Wow. And so what actually has experiencing these different cultures taught you or what did you learn from that whole experience? I think you learn how adaptable you can be as a person. Yeah. I think, you know, living in a different country, it really pushes you out of your comfort zone. And I think that's the most beautiful thing. And I feel like it really like that's something that really gives you life experience. And that's something that shows you a different perspective of the world. So yeah. I think a big lesson was just like how adaptable you can be, how quickly you can actually get accustomed to a new place and really thrive there. And then the other thing that I learned is really the importance of community. You know, you can move to a country or to a different yeah. place by yourself, but I don't think you're going to have a good time or, you know, it's going to be a healthy experience unless you really find a community of people that you can kind of have there to, to support you and to, to really like be a part of. So really like finding yeah. people that you share common interests with and, and really where there's like a two-way relationship where you can really bring each other value. Definitely. I totally agree with you on that. And did you find it hard to find your own community back when you were over there when you came back? Because obviously I was going to ask you, what does community mean to you? But you already answered. So <laughs> um, when I was there, so as I mentioned, I was part of a program. So I, I did find mm -hmm. a few really close friends through that. And there was a lot of sort of community activities and things for us to do together. Yeah. But that being said, the group that I was with, it was mostly Americans and Canadians. And I really wanted to find ways to kind of get more immersed in Israel and really to meet Israelis and to yeah. kind of see like the true community. Because I think when you're with a group like that, where it's all people who are really similar to you, who had a similar upbringing, you almost yeah. kind of form like a bubble. 
And I think a lot of people did that as part of the program. Um, they just kind of really like stuck with that group, didn't really meet other people outside of it. For me, I really made it a point to kind of get out to other things that weren't part of that program, just going to other local events across the city, reaching out to people that I met at those events who I had things in common with, like, for example, people who worked in marketing and tech, um, just yeah. like grabbing a coffee, learning about their experience living in Tel Aviv. A lot of people there were immigrants from, from other places places or also expats. So I think that was a really big thing for me, just like trying to um, expand my community outside of um, the one that was sort of like handed to me. Yeah, definitely. And so what are your best tips for people that might be feeling like they're lost, they don't know how to find their own community, or they're like tired of their own community and want to, you know, go and experiment and experience other things? Like, what would you recommend them do? What helped you? I would say for me, it's it's really um, kind of zeroing in on my own interests and then mm-hmm. seeking out community around that. So for me, like I mentioned in Toronto as well, like when I came back after Israel, really kind of immersing myself in like a tech and marketing community, finding events that kind of facilitate conversations around that where there's people with similar interests. Yeah. Um, so kind of going out to that, seeing who you kind of click with, seeing what other like smaller communities that you can join out of that, because there's a, there's a lot of things that kind of stem from some of those bigger communities. And then also like another big piece of advice that I have is if you're not finding the type of community that you want, if you're seeing a void and, you know, you're searching for it and it just doesn't seem to exist or it doesn't exist in the way that you would want to see it, why yeah. not start it yourself, right? Like I think <laughs> there's a community for everybody and if yeah. if you're not finding it, then you're probably the perfect person to start it because I'm sure other people are looking for it. And it doesn't have to be a complicated thing. It could be something as, you know, as simple as starting a book club or like maybe you have like some kind of niche um, interest and, you know, just trying to gather people online yeah. about uh, who are also interested in it and then seeing if there's an opportunity um, to meet in person and to form an in-person community. Of course, when these crazy times are <laughs> over for now, everything yeah. has to stay virtual. But yeah, I think it's like it, it goes back to just, you know, finding what you're interested in, seeing if any communities exist around that already. And then if yeah. not, you, you're probably the perfect person to start it and just go for it. I love that. I feel like that's kind of how you really got into the fuck up nights, right? So first of all, let's talk about what fuck up nights is. And then you can tell us about how you found out about it and how did that whole thing begin? Yeah, for sure. So fuck up nights, um, definitely an edgy, fun name. So we're not love about, it. We're not about <laughs> swearing. We're not about bad words. Fuck up nights is a global speaker series and global community that shares stories of professional failure. Um, So we're in over 300 cities and we have these monthly events where we have three or four speakers who get up in front of a room full of strangers and they share their biggest fuck up. They focus on their professional fuck up, how their business crashed and burned, or maybe they were in a role and they were leading a project and it didn't work out. Um, So they really share their true story of like how they dealt with failure. And the key thing is sharing the lessons that they learned. And then another big thing is that it's really, it's not just a speaker series, it's truly a community. So with those events that we host, it it really brings together a very unique community of people who are entrepreneurial, who are kind of maybe looking for their own next step, who are looking to find their own community to meet people. And when you hear these types of stories of failure, your guard is 
I think, automatically down. You're kind of more open oh, totally. to – Yeah, you're kind of more open to sharing your own fuck-ups and really connecting with people in a different way. So that's sort of what it's all about. Really, our goal is to change the conversation around failure, make it something that's not, you know, this taboo and scary thing yeah, and really yeah. kind of instill that – um, that understanding that. that it's part of being human. I love that. I absolutely love that. So how did you actually find out about this Fuck Up Nights um, event? Because I know you started it, but first let's talk about how you found out about that. Yeah. So I found out about it when I was living in Tel Aviv. Um, so I was going out to a bunch of different events, as I mentioned, was seeking out mm -hmm. my community. And after a while, you know, a lot of events kind of started to feel the same to me in Toronto as well. You know, it's like if you're part of the business or marketing world or you're in tech, a lot of the events kind of really focus on success. You know, how did yeah. these people build their company? How did they get their fundraising round? How did they hire? All the stuff. And it's very much focused on, you know, the the bright side of things and the success. But yeah. in the back of your mind, you kind of know that, you know, these super successful people, there's no way that they didn't have failure along the way. So Fuck Up Nights, it literally just popped up on my Facebook one day as an event that I might be interested in. <laughs> Shout and, out to those Facebook ads. Yeah. And I was definitely like, it caught my eye. Like, first of all, the name, I was like, I have to look into this. And then I read into <laughs> it and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. So I went out to that event. Um, it was on like a beautiful rooftop in Tel Aviv. There were a bunch of speakers sharing their fuck ups. And I was just so blown away by it. It was you know, like it was so different yeah. from other events and things that I've been to. It was like super successful people sharing their darkest moments, their biggest fuck ups. And they were really sharing it in a way like, here's how I fucked up and here's what you can learn from it. And it was just so refreshing and it resonated with me on such a deep level. And then the other thing is I felt like I met such amazing people at that event. And it just, it felt different to me than any other sort of networking or community event that I've been to. It truly yeah. felt like there was actually a community of people. People were just like super open, especially after hearing those talks. It's like their guard was down and they were really open to kind of sharing their true self. So Definitely. I walked away from that event. I was so just like blown away by it, really loved it. And then I came back to Toronto a few months later and I was like in such a weird part of my life because there was a whole a host of factors. So A, I was looking for my next step, but I came back yeah. kind of close to the holiday season. And I don't know oh. if anybody's tried to look for a job kind of around the holidays. Oh, yeah. Not super easy. Um, nope, worst thing ever. <laughs> yeah, so there was that. And then I had moved back in with my parents because I just came back from, from living abroad. Um, and then I was also in a relationship when I was in Tel Aviv. So that ended. And there was just a whole bunch of things where I kind of felt like almost like a failure myself. I was very unsure of what I was going to do next. I was almost kind of doubting my decision to come back or I was kind of doubting like maybe I shouldn't have gone in the first place and I should have listened to some of those people that were kind of questioning my decision to go. <laughs> so there was all this stuff happening. And again, I was trying to kind of reimmerse myself in the community here, find new people, find opportunities. And I was going out to all these different events and they all started to feel the same to me again. And I just yeah. remembered fuck up nights and I was like, I wish that this existed here. And <laughs> I started looking for it. I knew that it was in like a bunch of different countries at this point. Yeah. Then it somehow didn't exist in Toronto. It was already in like other parts of Canada. It was in Ottawa, Montreal, some, some like smaller cities across the country, but somehow not in Toronto. And I kind of, I just saw Crazy. it as, yeah, I saw this as an opportunity. I'm like, why don't I like see if I can go for it and start it? Wow. And had you ever created an event before? Or was it like your first time or how did you even go about it? I've never done an event before. It was honestly like going into it. I, 
like I'm very much a perfectionist and like I think like a high achiever and yeah very you know like I just want things to be done right but with this I was like it's called fuck up nights if I fuck (laughs) this up like it will be perfect like it will just be something that I could just share at the event and I honestly, I just thought I was going to start really small. Like I found this agency that I was going to partner with um, to host it in their office, have like 20 or 30 people there. I was like, I'm probably not even going to get that many people. It'll probably just be like yeah. some of my friends that will come out. We'll share a few fuck ups and, you know, I will have done it. And then something kind of clicked in me, like leading closer up to it. I was like, I think this could actually be bigger because this is something that's really missing in the city. I think it's going to resonate with people. So I ended up changing my venue to this Um, accelerator incubator in Toronto that's really well known that holds like over 100 people and yeah I just like that kind of almost like kicked me into gear I was like this has to be a much bigger thing now yeah like this has to work yeah but yeah I've never done events before I do have a marketing and PR background which was definitely Mm -hmm. super helpful and kind of getting the word out about it and understanding how to plan it but with events oh my god there were so many fuck-ups that I've had because I was just learning as I go that's insane. And did it actually, did 100 people end up going? Were there more? Like what happened? I'm curious now. Yeah. So it, we actually did end up selling out and there was like people waiting at the door trying to get in and we were at capacity. Oh, wow. But leading up to it, as I'm sure any event organizer knows, it was really yeah. slow. Like people really wait until the last minute to buy their tickets. So I think like almost like a week before there was literally like 10 or 15 people registered. And I was like, oh, wow, God. like I really fucked up here. And then it just like it really quickly accelerated having that background in PR. I was able to find some some cool PR opportunities for it. And I really hustled to market it and get the word out. The funny thing about Fuck Up Nights is that because there's profanity in the name, we're actually banned mm-hmm. from doing any sponsored posts or advertising. So oh, really? yeah, it all has to be <laughs> organic. So that was like a fun challenge, but I really enjoyed it. And I found really cool ways to kind of get the word out about it. That's so fun. That's so interesting. And okay, now having done all of these events and having made it like snowball into huge movement, and I imagine like you've created hundreds of events now, why do you think there's so much negative stigma on failure? That's a really good question. I think, you know, social media and Instagram really has something to do with it. Because, you know, when you look at somebody's social profile, people just hype, they want to show the highlight reel, they want to show the best moments of their life, the glamorous sides of it. And I think that's especially true for for entrepreneurs or business owners or, you know, professionals who are really trying to excel in their career. It's yeah. almost this like taboo concept to showcase the dark parts of your life or or the failures that you've had or times where you've truly fucked up. Yeah. So I think there's just kind of it's almost like people wanting to put on a brave face to show their best selves to the world. But The truth is, of course, that the most successful companies, the most successful people are really the ones that are fucking up the most behind the scenes because you're like to build something successful or to really like self-actualize. I think you have to take a lot of risks. You can't just like if you're just playing it safe, it's almost like you're kind of fucking up by default because you're not really like fully exploring the opportunities that are available. Yeah, definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, so I think it's just kind of like shifting people's perspectives on that and really showing that, you know, fucking up and failure, it's part of being human. And then also with fuck up nights, I think a big misconception is that, you know, we're trying to celebrate failure or that we're encouraging people to fuck up and we see it as this humorous thing. That Mm -hmm. couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, failure 
absolutely sucks. Like there's some fuck ups that are really small and you can just kind of like sweep them under the rug and move on. But then there's some failures that are really devastating, you know, like your business failing or, or getting fired from something or, you know, like there's things that could really affect you as a person it really takes a lot of time to heal. So our thing at Fuck Up Nights is really encouraging people to fail mindfully, to really mm-hmm. take the time to kind of process the failure that happened, to really like extract the lessons from it, to find opportunities to share that with other people, to open up, to, to almost build community around it. And then really taking the time to heal from it, you know, from the mental health aspects of it, you know, maybe it's seeking out a therapist or um, connecting with people about it and not just kind of always rushing into the next thing, like really taking the time to process what happened and learn from it and um, get yourself to a point where you're ready and excited for your next venture. I love that. And have you actually seen, like, do you see that people change from it after they attend one of the events? Have you had the chance, for example, to, I don't know, maybe meet someone that was very skeptical and was like, you know, picture perfect entrepreneur. And then once it's finished, they're like, holy shit. Yeah. So I kind of, I see it from two perspectives. So one is the speakers that are involved. And, you know, with the first event, that was probably one of the toughest parts as well, like getting um, people who were willing to go up and share their biggest fuck ups in front of strangers. But then after they've done it, they were like, wow, this was the most cathartic thing I've ever done. Because, you know, like it's still, it's a past failure that they're reflecting on. But a lot of the time it was the very first time that they were sharing it and sharing it in front of such a supportive community like that, you know, they're going to get great questions. And a lot of the time they kind of see their failure in a different light after having that experience of sharing it. So there's that from the speaker perspective, they really feel like, you know, they're truly able to kind of let go of that fuck up. And it feels rewarding that, you know, it kind of like you were able to learn from it, you're doing better now. And then also you were able to help like hundreds of people learn from your mistakes and really help them in their own entrepreneurial journeys. So that's a huge thing. And then in terms of people attending the event, I think for a lot of people, the first time that they go to it, if they haven't heard of it before, a lot of the time it's like the name that catches their eye and, you know, they kind of go and they're like, wow, like what's this like quirky like thing. And then walking away from it, they're just like I was at that first event that I went to just like blown away and really like they felt like they resonated with it. I've had so many people reach out to me after events being like, you know, I really needed to hear that tonight. Like this was the perfect timing for me. I'm dealing with my own failure. This specific thing that the speaker said really touched me and I really felt like I could relate to it. Putting events on is, it's a very stressful thing. Like there's so many things up in the air. There's so many things that are kind of outside of your control. You can plan it perfectly, but on the day of, there's like things that are going to go awry for sure. Yeah, and you basically just have to trust people. (laughs) Yeah, but I think like for me, the most rewarding thing is, you know, like when the event actually comes together and a lot of the time I kind of take a moment to just kind of look at the community of people that are there at our audience when the speakers are sharing their stories and just seeing their reactions on people's faces. Like, you know, like sometimes there's humor in the stories. Other times we've had people cry, like either the speaker tears up or sometimes the audience really feels it and they're really there emotionally with the speaker. And then just the connections that are kind of forged through those events. It's like we've had people find co-founders. We've had people find new opportunities um, in terms of jobs or new companies that they could start. Um, There's actually a Fuck Up Nice Toronto couple. Um, They met at one of the events and then they've been coming together to events ever since. Um, I love that. So yeah, it's really rewarding just to like 
see people kind of forge those connections to really like redefine how they see failure. A lot of the time it's like people will reach out and it's, you know, like I had this failure, I've hit it for so many years, but now hearing other people share theirs, I I kind of see my own failure in a different light and I feel more open to sharing it with others. So all of those things combined, it's just, it's definitely very rewarding. I love that. And so you've spoken about a lot of people having their failures, but now I'm curious, what has been your biggest failure and what did you actually learn from it? Really good question. I feel like I always feel so bad when people ask me this because I don't have like a super satisfying answer. Um, (laughs) You know, I haven't had like a business that crashed and burned. I haven't had anything too dramatic happen. Um, But I think for me, I've just had like a series of of smaller fuck ups. I guess I've I've had like a very untraditional, I think, career path. I've had a lot of pivots. There were definitely a lot of fuck ups along the way. But I would say my biggest fuck up was um, it was kind of tied in with the time that I started fuck up nights. So as I mentioned, I was kind of searching for like my new role. What was my ne- what was going to be my next step? And at the same time that I started fuck up nights Toronto, that's when I started a full time role as a marketing manager at a tech startup, it was like absolutely my dream job. It was the reason why I kind of went to Tel Aviv to kind of get that experience. It was like exactly what I wanted to land when I got back to Toronto. But I found over time, so I was doing both for about a year and I was really burning out. I didn't build a team right away for fuck up nights. I had a volunteer team that was there for the night of the events, but in terms of like all the planning, all the marketing, speaker training, all that stuff, I was sort of doing that mainly on my own. And I was working this full-time job and I just found myself burning out and I wasn't delegating properly. And I was just staying up to like all like hours of the night working on this stuff kind of became like a zombie over time. And long story short, I ended up getting let go from that job because just my focus was not there. Yeah. So that was, that was a pretty big fuck up. And that was a, that was a big sort of like eye opener. But I think the biggest lesson there was that you know, like you can't be superwoman. You really have to find yeah. ways to lean on other people. You have to build a team. You have to find people that are going to complement your skill set. So I definitely learned that. I built up an amazing team for fuck up nights, but I think I learned that a little yeah. bit too late, and I learned that through my own <laughs> fuck up. I mean, it wouldn't. You wouldn't have had it other way. Like if you wouldn't have that experience, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have learned the same thing or gotten to the same result as quick. You know? Yeah, for sure. And you know, having that happen, that was really the thing that kind of pushed me to actually pursue entrepreneurship fully yeah. to really focus on. You know, how can I build a community with Fuck Up Nights, nice, but how can I also make it something that's sustainable for myself? And how can I pursue yeah. other interests? How can I work with? Um, with clients? How can I find other opportunities for myself? So it definitely pushed me in that direction. And I'm really grateful for it. But if I can kind of go back to it, I would have, you know, like it was at the point where I was almost thinking about leaving that role on my own. I had other side projects, Fuck Up Nights was doing well. I saw an opportunity to really make it sustainable through sponsorships and through ticket sales. But I was too nervous to take that risk. And I I almost I feel like I kind of liked how it sounded like being a marketing manager at this tech startup and then also having this amazing growing community. And yeah, I totally could have just made that decision on my own and, you know, left that opportunity and then focused on fuck up nights. But it was decided for me. (laughs) Well, everything happens for a reason. And so now you are an entrepreneur, a speaker and a podcast host. How did all of these other project start and which one is kind of your favorite and I know this is hard to decide which one you might love the most but which one let's say which one's your passion project at the moment my passion project for sure is the podcast 
these days because it's it's you know it's a brand new project I'm really working on getting it off the ground and it's something that I'm really passionate about you know connecting with other community builders are really kind of showcasing their stories showcasing their communities and really learning from them I feel like I'm learning so much from it because I'm talking to people in my world and my realm so that's definitely my passion project right now I'm super excited about it but I think all of those things that I'm involved in they all kind of play into each other so fuck up nice was the first thing that kind of set me on this path before I was very much you know like nobody really knew who I was in the city I was like very new to Toronto like I lived in the suburbs before so I moved here I didn't know a lot of people downtown and then through building this community I think my network has really grown and I've been able to connect to so many opportunities through it like different speaking opportunities different opportunities to travel and do events and in different parts of the world and then that kind of stemmed I think that kind of led me to the podcast as well just like through the people that I've met through learning more about community builders um, connecting with other community builders (laughs) Um, is there something you wish you knew before actually starting, maybe not your career, but like all of these projects? Really good question. I think like a key lesson that, and I keep learning this over and over (laughs) because I think it's like so ingrained in me, but you know, like it doesn't have to be perfect to start. I think that was something that I really was able to do with fuck up nights. Um, just, you know, like I, like I said, I really kind of realize that you know it's called fuck up nights if something fucks up it will be on brand so I think that that was something that kind of pushed me to just start but I think that's like a very big thing like don't seek perfection like it's so much more important to just start and to do something and to take that risk and to just go for it and then also another huge lesson has been don't try to do it by yourself find your community find a team um, find people that you can really um, work with and learn with That's super important. And I feel like a lot of people out there, myself included, I'm also a perfectionist. So I totally relate to what you're saying. And even with all the things I'm doing, I'm like, this has to look good. And then I'm like, no, relax, Sabrina. It's fine. Mm -hmm. So I totally agree with you. And it's definitely super important. And my last question before we go into the fun questions part that I created for you. Um, I'm pretty sure you've had an experience before in your life where you felt that either you're alone or you're the only one that's experienced it. Maybe, you know, it was a thought, a fear, or like an experience. Um, Can you tell us what that was and what you would maybe tell other people that might be thinking the same? That's a really great question. I think for me, like it wasn't so much as feeling alone, but I think imposter syndrome was was a really big theme for me, especially yeah. in building fuck up nights. I, like I mentioned, I didn't really have event experience. And then I also didn't really have like public speaking experience. I was, I'm very much like a shy and introverted person. And that was like, a, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell. <laughs> that was like a very, oh, thanks. That was a very like big thing for me to actually, you know, start being the face behind this community and to actually you know, like go up on stage and introduce it and like really put myself out there. And I really didn't feel like I was kind of qualified for it. I thought maybe I should have another person host the events and I I should just be kind of behind the scenes organizing it. And then I think a realization that I had is that, you know, like you're only going to get better over time. Like there's, yeah, like I absolutely suck. The first event I was like reading off a piece (laughs) of paper, I was like shaking, so nervous. And then over time, I just kind of like pushed myself to do it and like get up on stage and I'm still like not totally where I want to be, but I feel like I've gotten better with each event and each opportunity that I've had. So I think it's like a a big thing is just trying to overcome imposter syndrome and to really give yourself that chance to improve. 
I love that. I also agree. It's super important, but honestly, I wouldn't be able to tell. You seem like such a bubbly person. (laughs) Thanks. Okay. So to end this chat, um, I wrote down a couple of fun uh, rapid fire questions for you. So are you ready? Yeah, for sure. Okay. My favorite question of all times, what person dead or alive would you love to have dinner with if possible? So I'm a huge Tim Ferriss fangirl. I would say like that was like his podcast was the first one that I truly got into and truly enjoyed. Um, I think he's such a fascinating person, um, really somebody that I look up to um, as somebody who's who's a podcaster, as somebody who's in the tech world, um, as somebody who's traveled a lot. So I would definitely love to get to know him better. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Um, Would you rather always be 10 minutes late or be 20 minutes early? 20 minutes early for sure I'm oh my god I'm, what? A, <laughs> I'm a really punctual person it's just like honestly it's for my own like mental health I think I just yeah. like I have so much anxiety if I'm keeping somebody waiting so I'd rather be 20 <laughs> minutes early and just kind of chill and read or look at my phone that's fair enough that's fair enough I, I feel like you have a point <laughs> do you prefer magazines or books books for sure spring or winter spring I, i'm living in canada how can i say winter <laughs> or winter is like six months long and feels like sometimes so when spring comes it's so exciting i actually want to move to toronto but one of the main things <laughs> stopping me is definitely the weather <laughs> it's an amazing city like especially like the summer i think it's one of the best cities in the world but our winter is just super long it just really drags on i'm still considering it so we'll Do see it. what happens <laughs> do you prefer flying or driving Ooh, um, I love flying. I feel like that's like a pl- when I'm on a plane, I feel like that's when I'm like actually like the most relaxed, which is so weird. <laughs> but just like when I like because I think like leading up to a flight, there's so much anxiety and all the packing and stuff. But when you're actually like on that plane, it's so relaxing and so great. Yeah, and you're so excited for your destination. Yeah. And you also don't have anything you have to be doing for the amount of the yeah. ride. Yeah, exactly. Are you more of a spicy or a sweet? Ooh. Um, I would say spicy. I love spicy food and I love savory food. <laughs> love that. Do you prefer takeout or dine-in? I love dine-in. I love going to different restaurants and experiencing them. Love that. Do you wake up early or sleep out if you have the chance? Not on a regular basis, but if you could have the chance, which one would you pick? Definitely sleep late. I'm such a night owl, so I love staying up and a lot of time I'll kind of get in the flow and then that kind of pushes me to wake up a little bit later the next day. I'm so happy you said that because honestly, everyone I've interviewed, they'd be like, I wake up early. I'm like, <laughs> no, I always such wake up at nine. <laughs> nine is good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm so glad you said that because I'm like, am I weird? <laughs> like, why do people wake up at seven, you know? <laughs> and my last one, do you prefer Asia or Europe? Um, I would say Europe. I just like I absolutely love the culture in Europe, the places that I've been I've like absolutely fallen in love with. And I just have so much more to discover there. So yeah, I'd say Europe. (laughs) Perfect. Well, Marsha, it's been so much fun chatting with you today. Honestly, I've learned so much. And you're such an interesting person. I'm definitely once this whole thing's over gonna check out fuck up nights and see if there's a Paris chapter. There is. (laughs) Really? Actually, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to check that out and probably attend. And if I'm ever in Toronto, I'll be sure to go to one of your events because I'm super curious. Absolutely. I'd love to meet. And I hope you do move to Toronto one day. I'm rooting for you. Thank you. I'll hit you up whenever I do. Please, yeah. (laughs) So as usual, guys, you can find 
all of Marsha's links at the description. So I'll be able to put them up there if you want to check out Fuck Up Nights, if you want to check out her Instagram, her podcast, you'll be able to hit it up, as well as our own, which is at Pretty Sure Podcast. And if you like our episode, please let us know because we want to improve. I want to give you guys the content that you guys like. So let us know and I send you a lot of love. See you next week. Peace out, everybody. Thank you.